We're continuing on in our, our series about Moses, and it's really not about Moses. It is, but it's actually about Moses as God and uh, God's people, to include us. And I think any time that we come to Scripture, come to a sermon, come to, to read it for ourselves, I think it's really important for us to think about who would have been Moses' primary audience, like the first hearers of these stories or the listeners uh, that would hear this for the first time. It, it helps us understand what's being emphasized, also helps us as we understand what's being emphasized, it can help us in what we need to learn. So when we get to Exodus 3 here, and the, the people are actually listening to this story about Moses being read, the, the tabernacle has already been completed. This is, this is later on. It's before Israel goes into the promised land, but it's after a lot of the things that have happened uh, that we'll read in the future here in Exodus. Many of the people might be hearing this about Moses for the first time. They may have known about crossing the Red Sea, but most of them would have been little, young, even children. So they may have just heard about it or had memories as young people. For the most part, the people that are hearing this story that we're going to read in just a moment, most of their lives were spent in the wilderness. They are the ones who are going to go into the promised land, not with Moses, because Moses is going to die, with Joshua. So Moses here is reminding the people of how he came into this role, how God called him to do it. And, and he's really writing to the people because later on they're, they're going to have questions and he wants them to remember all that happened to Moses before they really knew about him. He wants them to remember the things God called him to do, remember his work and the things that he said. So as we read this passage, I want you to think in those terms. And before we read, though, I want to, last weekend, it's a big weekend, uh, my three adult children were here. Some of you know them. My oldest is about 31, I think. Daughter in the middle is 28. My youngest son is uh, 24, 25. Um, they were here. And uh, we went home after church. And after lunch, my daughter was working with a piece of art that she had created for me and her mom for Christmas. She was setting it up. She was, she was putting it over the, the mantle of the, of the fireplace, and she was handling it in a very particular way. She was moving in it in a way, at least to those of us who were watching, and it was just the guys at this point. She was moving it in a, in a not so subtle fashion. It just seemed kind of rough to us watching. And one of her brothers, the youngest, when she was moving it around, he called out and he said, hey, Mary Catherine, he said, hey, you might ought to be careful with that. You, you don't want to mess it up. And my daughter, if you know my daughter, you can hear her saying this. It was a nice response. It wasn't snarky. 
Um, but without so much as a second thought, she said, hey, look, I created this. I know how I put it together. So trust me, I know what I'm doing and I know exactly what is needed. All of us guys, we, we just kind of took a step back and said, okay, all right, it's all good. It wasn't much later that we all kind of realized that while my daughter's not God, I'm not making that, drawing that out. But that's the way God is with us, with our lives, with our circumstances, all of the situations we find ourselves in. He is God and we are not. He is the creator and, if you will, we are the works of art. He knows exactly what he's doing because he's the one that created us doesn't cover everything but it's a good way as we enter into our reading this passage this morning it's a good way to come to grips with what's going on God is saying to Moses he says hey Moses I've got a plan I'm giving you a heads up about that plan I've got something specific for you to do and it's it's not going to be easy. In fact, many times you're probably going to think that I'm being a little rough with you. So let me tell you what you need to know. Let me tell you what you need to know about who you are and who I am, says God. So let's read our passage there. It's printed for you in your bulletins. If you, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to, to open them up, but we're going to read the first 15 verses in Exodus chapter 3. This is God's Word. Beginning in verse 1, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Chapter 2, we met him. His name was Reuel. It's, it's the same guy. I don't know if he has two different names. Not sure exactly why, but it's very clear this is his father-in-law. The priest of Midian, he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. He says, come, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I will be with you. This shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall 
say to them, wait a minute, I messed that up, I'm sorry. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your call to Moses. We thank you for what you did for Moses. And would you remind us this morning that you are the God who comes, sees your people, remembers your people, loves your people and knows them. Help us this morning to better understand your love for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have three things going on here. The, the, the way I want to approach this passage is first think about the challenges that are going on. The challenges that are going on for Moses, the challenges that are going on for God's people, including us. There are challenges to our faith, and Moses here is being challenged, God's people are being challenged, and we will be challenged as well. That's the first point. Secondly, God deals with these challenges in particular ways. So the second point is God's ways. And then lastly, we see God's plan. So the challenges, God's ways, and God's plan. So this is 40 years after Moses flees from Egypt, 40 years from that sermon that Matt preached last week. He's tending sheep, Moses is. Not not even his own sheep, by the way. They're his father-in-law's sheep. He's now 80 years old, it says so in Acts chapter 7. So there's a couple things going on. Evidently, God doesn't seem to be in a hurry, at least our kind of hurry. And I don't think Moses, if he lived in our world today, everybody would have thought, wow, this is a success, right? He's tending sheep on a mountain 40 years, and it's his father-in-law. All that doesn't mean, though, that God doesn't care for Moses and God doesn't care for his people. It seems that God wanted a shepherd to lead his people, and evidently Moses needed time and the people needed time. And I don't know what was going on in Moses' mind those 40 years, but he was a man like you and me, was a human being, and I suspect sometimes Moses wondered if God really cared. Did God really care for Moses? Did God really care for the people that Moses came from? If you remember from last week, Moses tried to help his people, only to be spurned by them. It led to his departure. He tried, and it didn't work, and he left. To trust that God always and continues to be concerned for us It's a battle. It's a battle in the world we live in. And the reason why it's a battle, in this present fallen world, God allows suffering. God allows uncertainty. 
Everybody here, some of you more than others, even this morning, facing difficult things, difficult situations, facing cancer, facing sickness, facing broken relationships. In this present fallen world, God allows suffering and uncertainty, and the Bible does provide clear answers in principle about what God may or may not be doing in this suffering. All you have to do is read Genesis 3, read Romans 8, you can read 1 Peter or Job, many of the Psalms. But it's also true that individuals and groups of people, we don't normally know why our particular suffering comes about. Sometimes it's our, our faults, but, but sometimes it's not. We don't know why that suffering can go on for so long. And I think that was challenging for Moses. I believe it was challenging to God's people back then, and I think it's a challenge for us today. How do we trust that God really cares for us as individuals, as families, as a church? How how can we know? I think our passage speaks to this, and we'll get to that. But there's another challenge that I want to bring about here. First of all, does does God really care? But secondly, this other challenge I think Moses had to deal with, it involved his past. How could one who has tried and failed to help in the past, how after such a long period of time doing pretty ordinary mundane things like taking care of sheep, how could Moses be God's choice to deliver a nation. You know, if you read the New Testament, people had similar questions about Jesus Christ. He's the son of a carpenter. He was born in Galilee, which I I guess is something like being born in where I was born in North Alabama. I don't know. Born into a poor family. Isaiah says he had no form or majesty that we should even pay attention to him. So Moses here is addressing two things, two questions that we still have today. Does does God really care? And why is Moses so important? I know we we can attach it to ourselves. Why are we that important? And that's a good question. But we're not like Moses. And Moses here is important. Why should we, even today as New Testament Christians, why should we listen to Moses? These are not just challenges to Moses, not just challenges to God's people back in the times of Exodus, but they're challenges to our faith as well. Does God really care? What's so important about Moses? What's so important about me and you? Leads us to our second point, how God addresses these challenges. I think there are more challenges, but we're just focusing on these, and this is the way God deals with it, God's ways of working. First of all, you need to be aware and you can't let it pass by. God shows up. God didn't have to show up, but he shows up. Verse two, the angel of the Lord appeared in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush and it was burning but not consumed. A few points on the angel of the Lord. It's a messenger is is the literal word there. Here, this angel is not simply seeing and speaking for God, but he actually sees and speaks as God. If you read Genesis, he's already shown up, this same angel of the Lord in in Genesis 16 with Hagar. 
He showed up in Genesis 22 when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. In short, at least here, this is not just an angel. This is a physical manifestation of God himself. God arrives in the form of a burning bush that doesn't burn up. This fire, it often identifies in the Bible the presence of God. So God shows up, calls out to Moses. Moses responds. He says, here I am. And then God basically says, stop where you are, for you are standing on holy ground. He goes on. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, helping him understand that this is the same God that Moses knew about. And what does Moses do? He's afraid. He hides his face from God. And I do, I do want us to remember, Moses, he's already proven himself to be quite the man, right? I mean, he's killed a bad guy. He's, he's tr- confronted a fellow Hebrew that wasn't doing the right thing, and he's, he's saved some ladies. That's what every man wants to do. But here, he is afraid because he comes face to faith, face with God, and he doesn't know what's going to happen because God is holy and we are not. This is a physical miracle that communicates spiritual truth about who God is. And Moses has this special opportunity to be with and be in the presence of God. And, and like the bush, not be consumed. It's a miracle. And I, I don't know where all of you stand this morning about miracles. And I, I, don't, I don't have time to, to fully explain this miraculous event here. All I have time to say is this. We said it in the Apostles' Creed. We, this church, God's Word, we believe that God became man, that He was raised, that He died, that He was raised from the dead, and if God can raise the dead, He can certainly burn a bush without consuming a bush. I believe, and I think many of you believe, the people sitting around you, miracles happen every day. Miracles happen every day. We just have a habit of explaining them away. Maybe not like this. I don't really think God's going to show up in a burning bush that's not being burned. But the most miraculous thing that happens day in and day out around this world, in this community, is God breathes new life into walking dead people every day when they come to know Jesus Christ. It is a miracle. It's not the point here. The point is this, there's a God at work in the world, he is holy and we all know it even if we don't want to admit it. Even if we deny it, believer or unbeliever, wherever you are this morning, every human being was created to gaze upon the glory of God. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 is all about. That's why God comes in Genesis 3 even after the fall. We were created to get close, to have intimate fellowship with God like Adam who who walked and talked with his loving creator. And we all know something's happened to mess that up and creates all sorts of problems that we can't fix. And and you say, well, Todd, how, how how do we really know that? At least when I was thinking about this passage, even before I fully understood who God was, what Christ had done, Even before the time that I, I really grasped the gospel, 
We know in and of ourselves we are not right. Hardwired into us is the fact that we are accountable human beings. It, it matters how we live. We know we're accountable because all of us have one of two ways to deal with life. We either exaggerate our own holiness and goodness, pretend to be better than we are, or we minimize God's holiness and power and we try to live without him, and actually we do both. But it is true, and I think we have to come to grips with this. We don't want everyone to know how fragile we are. We don't want other people that we're not sure of uh, to know how insecure and weak and needy we are. Or we try to minimize God's call and expectations for us. We elevate ourselves we minimize God, and what happens here is Moses comes face to face with the living God, and he can't do either one of those things. All he can do is bow down and hope that he lives. He has to stand there. He has to take off his shoes. He has to acknowledge God. So this initial encounter with God at the burning bush, one of the many things that we see is that God does care. In coming down to meet with Moses, God reveals himself in a way, and Moses knows he needs to listen. This makes Moses special, makes Moses different. For, for good measure, God goes on and says, in case you're misunderstanding, verse 7 and following, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know they're suffering, and I have come down to deliver them. God meets Moses and says, I have come down to fix all that's wrong with you, with the people, and the world. Jesus basically says the same thing when people are confronted with the miraculous things that Jesus does, when the people are confronted with the miracles that he does in, in, uh, in, in calming the sea. He always walks over and he says, take heart. Do not be afraid. It is me. I am with you. The challenges that we face, does God really care? Well, to, to really just be blunt about it, if God didn't care, we'd all be dead. It's the first challenge, does God really care? Our third point here deals with the second challenge. Why is it important for us to listen to Moses? Why is it important for that second generation of Israelites to, to listen to Moses and to remember what he's done? God basically meets with Moses. He says, I need someone to stand in the gap, someone, someone who is like the people but not like them. And Moses is not like them because he's been with God in a special way. You do realize all the Israelites at one point in time in this process, in this process of redemption, they get the opportunity, hey, do you want to go up and see God? And you know what they all say? No, I don't think so. I think we'll just stay here, Moses. You do it for us. God says, I'm going to send you, Moses, to Pharaoh and you're going to deliver my people out of Egypt, verse 10. And this is where Moses gets to ask two questions of God. The first question is, who am I? The second question that we'll get to in a minute, what should I say your name is? 
So really the two questions, who am I, that Moses has, who am I and who are you, God? And I don't think this is rebelliousness on Moses' part. It's like, help me understand, God, because if I don't understand, the people certainly aren't going to understand. So help me understand, who am I and who are you? When Moses asks, who am I, notice what God doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, Moses, you've already killed this bad guy. You, you, you got some gifts. He doesn't say, hey, Moses, I've, 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 I've raised you up in the courts of Pharaoh so you know exactly what to do. God doesn't say anything about Moses at all. He says, in response to the question, who am I, Moses says, then God says, Don't worry about that. I will go with you. And here's a sign that you can trust me. That's God's response. In other words, God says to Moses, that's not the right question, Moses. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And this I is going to be with you. I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need to do all that I've called you to do. And to prove that promise, you get a sign, Moses. God says, after you do what I say, you will come in the future and serve or worship me here on this same mountain. Realize for Moses, it's not that helpful. So you're going to go with me and I won't know it until the future. Now the people that are listening, it's helpful to them because they're sitting there saying, oh, that's what happened. We can trust this Moses, but Moses had to live by faith. He trusted God because he met with God, and because he met with God in a special way, he delivered God's people. When the people saw Moses, they were to see the God who called Moses, and they were to have faith in that same God who Moses looked to. So for us here today, we can look back to what God promised in sending his son. We do know that God is faithful. But there's another aspect of our lives where we simply have to trust that he's coming back. But because he's done what he said he was going to do in the past, we can live by faith today. We can live by faith knowing that God cares for us. Moses had a second question. What's your name? Okay, I got it. It's not about me, but, but what about you, God? And, and the answer, of course, you're very familiar with this. I am that I am. I am. There's a lot there, more than we can cover this morning, but the fact of the matter is God is saying, I am the God who created you. You're the work of art. I'm the God that not only created you, but I created everything else. I am eternal. I am unchangeable. I am self-existent. I am self-sufficient. And and by the way, I'm so much that you can't fully understand it, and you never will. But I'm also so much that you don't have to be afraid, because God says, I'm making a way for all people to know that I care and love for them. You, You realize this just isn't for God's people. This is for the world. God is showing up in powerful ways and all the things that are being done in the future through Moses. It's not just to remind God's people that this is God, but it's to show Pharaoh and the Egyptians that this God is the burning bush that doesn't burn, that this God is the I am. 
Moses here is explaining to the Israelites, I'm the fulfillment of God's call. I am the fulfillment of God's compassion to God's people. Moses was called out by God to mediate between God and his people, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. So here's the plan. God comes down, calls and set Moses apart, reveals himself through Moses so that his people can be saved. So first, it's all because he cares. It's all because he cares about his people. He loves his people. He wants his people to have life. It's a good and broad land that he wants to take them to. So first, it's it's not about who Moses is. It's about the God who is with Moses. And Moses trusts this God. Secondly, it is about Moses. Because God chose Moses to save the Israelites. So when you're listening to Moses, you're listening to God because Moses is God's deliverer. He's the mediator between God and his people, the one who intercedes on behalf of God's people. And we'll see it over and over again through the rest of Exodus that Moses is the one interceding on behalf of God's people. Moses is setting the stage and helping us better understand the final mediator of God. And of course, you know, the final mediator between God and man is the Lord Jesus Christ. He not only knew God like Moses knew God. He not only speaks for God like Moses spoke for God, but Jesus is God. As John writes in the first chapter of his gospel, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen his glory full of grace and truth. How do we know that God cares? How do we know that God cares for us? Because he sent his only son, the final mediator between God and man. He's come to save us, people like me, people like you, from our sins, our slavery, even death itself. Why do we listen to Moses, but not only Moses, but Jesus Christ? Because he is the only way to enter back into the presence of our creator and not only enjoy that presence of God, but be able to understand who we are and what we're supposed to do. Many challenges to our faith that need to be addressed. The two here that we focused on is how do we know God cares? And really the challenge is what is our answer to the question of who is the final mediator between God and man? Who is Jesus Christ? How do we trust that God sees and hears and remembers and knows? And how do we know that Jesus Christ is that final mediator because he's come, he's died, he's been raised from the dead and we all need to hear him speak, take heart, don't be afraid, I am with you. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, I I really don't know what else to preach. The answers to all the questions and concerns that we have about this world and the brokenness that we experience, the brokenness in the world, It all boils down to who is Jesus and what is Jesus doing? What has he done? What is he doing? What has he promised to do? You know, all of us, each and every one of us, to include this man right here, we will one day stand before the one who has created us and we will give account for our lives. I think the saddest thing when I run into people who who just believe that this life is it and when they die, they're dead and and there is no more. I don't know how you get up every morning and do life. 
Something is hardwired into us. We are accountable human beings. It does matter how we live. It does matter how we treat other people. And there will be a day when we will give account for our lives. And it's only in Jesus Christ where we can stand because we have fellowship with the one who created us. And in the meantime, in Jesus Christ, he uses people like me and uses people like you to help others understand the beauty of what God has done, to help, un- help people understand that God has come down. Yes, in Moses' time in a burning bush, but in our time in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and he is our Savior. We should look to Moses. We should learn from Moses, even as the people of the Old Testament did. But we need to look through Moses and see Jesus because he is our hope. And he came to deliver his people. And anyone and everyone has a chance to respond. So this morning as I conclude, we are called. I, 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 I prayed yesterday that everyone who walked in these doors this morning would look to the one who comes to deliver his people from this world, sin, death, and the devil. And even as we continue on with our worship, that's what we're doing at the Lord's table as God's people. We are looking to the one who died for us. He saved us from our sins. And when God looks at us in Christ Jesus, we are righteous. And we can ask the same questions Moses did. Who am I? Who are you? And God says, I am the one who cares for you, who loves you, who has delivered you and will bring you to the good and broad land. That's our Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I pray that that it would become uh, the work and the power and the life of Jesus. Would it become more real to, to this man's heart that just preached this word? Would it become more real to everyone who is listening here, whether in the building behind us, um, right here in this building, um, online, whatever it is, would you help us to see Jesus Christ this morning? Would you remind us in Jesus Christ you've shown us, you loved us, you care for us, and you will never leave us, and we do not have to be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen.